Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. We are continuing our journey through lesion terms. And this week on the podcast, we are going to cover scale. Now, we talked about crust last week, and I want you to realize when we talk about these different terms for abnormalities we see on a dermatologic exam, many patients are going to have multiple terms present at the same time. So it is very common for a dog to have crusting and scaling present. But I want you to understand the differences between these, not only so you can describe lesions in your medical record better and more appropriately, but also the little differentials we can be thinking about, say if we see a dog who's just very scaly versus a dog that has crusts in scale present. So scale is an accumulation of loose fragments of the stratum corneum. Remember that the epidermis is divided into several layers and the stratum corneum is the layer that we visually see. So corneocytes are going to be the keratinocytes of the stratum corneum. So they are the the skin cells that flake off and get into the environment. We talk about a dog typically having a three-week epidermal cell turnover time. Those are the cells that lose their nucleus, flake off the skin, and we kind of build up from the bottom from the stratum stratum basale and go up to the stratum corneum. So when do we see scale? Essentially when anything that affects that is is abnormal. So we can see it with epidermal maturation. We can see it with desquamation, so shedding of those corneocytes themselves. If our keratinization is off, so keratinization is the making of those keratinocytes, which are the principal fibrous protein of the skin. You can also see it if glands are affected. So if we have apocrine or sebaceous gland function that's dysregulated, that also can cause scale. So let's think of a very classic disease of scaling of sebaceous adenitis. The sebaceous glands themselves are destroyed. They don't serve their purpose, exiting into the hair follicle and keeping that area moist and the skin protected. So we get scale. You can also have intercellular lipid formation that's abnormal. So the lipids in between those cells are very important. If we think of that brick and mortar that people always use to describe the stratum corneum, bricks being those corneocytes, the mortar being all the lipids and all those molecules that fill in the gaps in between those cells and help fill those cracks. That being abnormal, those lipids in between the cells also can cause scale. Now, the tricky thing is there are certain diseases that can primarily cause keratinization defects, and that can cause scaling, but scaling can be present really secondarily to almost anything that causes inflammation. So it actually is quite common for us to see scale, but kind of like when we talked about crusting last week, what's important to realize is do we suspect the scale is present because of a primary disease process versus a secondary disease process. And very similar to scale, if we do our cytology and see a lot of infection, sorry, very similar to crusting, if we see scale and we do cytology and see a lot of infection, 
we may just need to take the time to clear that infection first to see if everything resolves or if we're still left with a decent amount of scale present. So that's what can be really important because the secondary causes of scaling is so widespread compared to the primary diseases we see. But let's talk a little bit about some of the primary like scaling or keratinization disorders that do exist. You can break them into a few different categories such as hereditary, idiopathic, and nutritional. Hereditary we're obviously usually going to see in really young animals because it's something that they're born with. So think of diseases like color dilution alopecia, where things, the hair shafts basically become fragmented because the melanocytes within those uh, hairs are really distorted. So they get really big, they clump together, they wreck that hair shaft. And then again, that everything doesn't really turn over appropriately. Follicular dystrophy, so being born with abnormal follicles. Ichthyosis is a disease. There's different types of ichthyosis. We think of golden retrievers having ichthyosis or Jack Russell Terriers having ichthyosis. And they have abnormal scaling. They'll get really thick adhered scale to them. Um, sebaceous adenitis we talked about. So a classic sebaceous adenitis dog is going to be a younger poodle. But you can see this disease happen more middle age and you can see it in other breeds. I recently diagnosed a Havanese with sebaceous adenitis. But because that gland is not working appropriately, we get that scaling. Uh, Schnauzer comedone syndrome, we usually think of truly finding comedones, but they also have a lot of epidermal problems in general, and they can affect their epidermal uh, turnover with those comedones being formed, and they can have scale around those comedones. And then there's primary idiopathic seborrhea as well. So those are pretty common ones that we can see from usually a younger age, something genetically we know is present. You know, there's lots of other keratinization disorders that are really idiopathic. We see them. We don't really know a lot about them or why they develop, such as some acne. Say in cats, we'll think of blackheads, comedones we can see, but we also get crusting scaling, chin acne. Ear margin seborrhea is a really interesting one. A lot of times it gets misdiagnosed as either potential scabies, even though they're not itchy, just because those ear margins are affected, or vasculitis is a common differential, but ear margin seborrhea, they can get really thick, uh, pretty affected ear margins with a, that really scaly material. And then there's obviously uh, forms of nasal hyperkeratosis. So we kind of think of crusting, but scaling can, afford, can form as well. And the primary nutritional um, scaling keratinization disorders would be things like vitamin A responsive dermatosis, um, a fatty acid deficiency, zinc would be a big one we think of, especially in breeds such as huskies. They'll get really thick, like scale, crusting, even sometimes like kinification around certain areas like the periocular region, they can get around the muzzle as well, the ears. So really to differentiate most of those, if we truly think there's a primary scaling or keratinization order disorder present, would be to collect a skin biopsy. So we're going to do cytology first. We're going to go back to our minimum database, you know, scrape, look, smear, make sure that something like mites isn't present or infection isn't present. But if things are still not really resolving or we're not seeing a lot of things under those basic diagnostic tests, 
then we want to get really good skin biopsies. And I have a few episodes of the podcast that go over the importance of uh, tips to get good skin biopsies, taking bigger samples if you can, taking multiple samples if you can, making sure you get them sent to a dermatopathologist, getting different types of lesions if there's different types of lesions that are present. In a lot of these diseases, we have to treat the underlying problem, right? Like if there's a vitamin A deficiency, we or a vitamin A responsive dermatosis, we have to get them vitamin A to resolve that. But a lot of it is topical therapy. I mean, even these cases such as sebaceous adenitis and ichthyosis, you can predominantly treat some of these cases just with topical therapy and it requires lifelong management of that disease process and there's lots of different options that can be discussed to treat those but it really can make a huge difference we're dealing with the largest organ of the body that's right in front of our faces so really putting stuff like topicals fatty acids different shampoos mousses um, can be very very helpful Now, again, there's lots of things that can cause secondary scaling. Anything from parasites like Demodex or Coptes, you know, Chylotiella, those are kind of the really big walking dandruff scales that can happen. Uh, We think of kind of the hair loss, erythema, encrusting on the ear margins that happens with scabies, but that is something that we can see scaling happen as well. Um, And then anything that can cause a pyoderma, bacterial infection can look scaly. Um, You can have different endocrinopathies like hypothyroidism, Cushing disease, sex hormone dermatosis, Um, infectious things like dermatophytosis, autoimmune diseases, even like pemphigus. Again, we think of pustules and crusting, but you can get scaly mixed in there as well. And another big one I want to bring up that often gets overlooked is neoplastic. So epitheliotropic lymphoma, most of the time I see those, they're really erythematous with thick silvery scales. And that is something we're definitely going to want to make sure that we pick up on um, because that scaling is there because of that, that lymphoma. And that can be detrimental for us not to diagnose that right away. So when we think about the treatments, again, I mentioned topical therapy, of course, figuring out the underlying cause, like if it's a lymphoma or a zinc responsive dermatosis will be really important. When we think about treatments, topicals are just great for some of these cases and they can do a lot of amazing things. Um, You can think of the spot on topical fatty acids like Dermacent. Um, There is the the Sebria lines. Remember, Sebria Sica can be kind of that dry and scaly material. So think of things like the Duxo S3 subline by Siva. Um, They have a mousse, they have a shampoo, and I use that line a lot in my cases such as sebaceous adenitis, and I get a lot of really good um, responses to that. They also have the Ophitrium in there that kind of helps with the epidermal uh, barrier itself and all of the Duxo S3 lines, which can just help the barrier itself for multiple dermatologic issues. And then of course, if we have nutritional aspects, you know, like a zinc responsive dermatosis, we're going to supplement them. Vitamin A, we're going to supplement them. But even think of, you know, of course you can use oral fatty acids um, and there's lots of different dosings we can use and that can be helpful. But also go back to thinking of nutritional just for some of those skin support diets that we've kind of talked about before. So Royal Canin Skin Support, Hills Derm Complete. Now they have Derm Complete Puppy for those younger dogs. And they're really primarily for allergies, but they're still going to help the epidermal barrier gen, uh, in general. The other one is Prina DRM. These are all, if they don't have another diet they have to be on, these are all diets you can use just to support their skin barrier itself. 
So these are all the things they kind of want you thinking about when you see scaling. It's very similar to crusting. We're going to rule out things like infection being that secondary cause of the scale itself because it's very common for crust and scale to happen together. But then do not forget the other things. If it's a young dog, do we have suspicion of a color dilution alopecia based on the coloring of that dog, based on the lesions being distributed more dorsally? Do we Are we suspicious of sebaceous adenitis? Is it a younger to middle age standard poodle, which is a very stereotypical breed for that? We know a very predisposed breed for sebaceous adenitis. Are we a husky and we're getting scaling and crusting you know, on the periocular region or the muzzle and we might have a zinc responsive dermatoses? And sometimes we clear infection and there's still a lot of scale we're not sure what's going on so we biopsy to get that answer so there's a lot of very simple things we can do with most of our dermatologic cases that can put us on the right path but I hope just understanding what scale is in some of the you know slightly different differentials we can have compared to other lesions that can be present on the skin will be helpful for your day-to-day practice